From the crossroads of America in the Hoosier state of Indiana, this is Get In, the podcast focused on the unfolding stories and extraordinary innovations happening right now in the heartland. I'm Matt Hunkler, CEO at Powder Keg, and I'll be one of your hosts for today's conversation. I'm joined in studio by co-host Christopher Tof Day, CEO at Elevate Ventures, and Nate Spangle, head of community at Powder Keg. Today's guest is Brody Meyer, who is the CEO of Yorko. He grinded tooth and nail, and I got to see that. And then I saw my dad come in and grind tooth and nail, and I think that really influenced me. Like, you get rewarded for the hard work you put in. Brody Meyer is the CEO of Yorko, a platform for two-way communication for non-desk employees. In today's show, we're going to talk about why starting with the problem is essential for entrepreneurs, one powerful strategy from athletics that is essential for all founders and leaders, and maintaining personal relationships while growing your early stage startup and so much more. You're going to love this conversation with Brody Meyer. Brody, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, exci- Appreciate it. excited to chat with you about what you're doing with your co. But first, just want to get a little bit of context for how you grew up. Did you grow up in the Midwest? Yes. Grew up in the Midwest. Grew up in uh, south of Chicago, Palisades, Illinois. Came to Indiana for college. Nice. Yeah. Butler? Butler. Cool. And you played some sports, right? I did. I played, I wrestled, I played baseball my whole life, and then I ended up playing baseball in college. Nice. What'd you learn playing team sports that you think maybe applies to how you're doing leadership today? Yeah, one team. It's actually something we talk about a lot within our business is we have four pillars. We got marketing, sales, product support, and everyone's got different things going on day in and day out. But we really like to talk about, okay, how can we be one team at the end of the day? There's one goal in mind. I love that. Yeah. Another thing from sports, though, that I've really realized, especially in sales, is be present be in the moment, be where your feet are. I think you perform the most when you're where your feet are and when you're in this moment. And that helps with sales a lot. Helps me. Yeah, absolutely. That's an interesting comment. And I'm going to make one more comment before, but I want to go, I want to rewind to what your home life was like growing up, high school, like what it was like, what you thought about. Was entrepreneurship talked about, all those kind of fun things. But talk about being in your feet. I've never heard that said. I love that concept. You know what flashed in my mind? Two things. Number one, have you ever noticed that athletes move around really slow? Like people who are really fast, especially mm. professional athletes or even like D1 athletes, and you were a D1 athlete. Why do you guys move around so slow mm. when you're actually really fast and coordinated and talented? Conserving energy, being present, being in the moment. Is it? Yeah. it 100%. So, that's what I learned. I was all, all over the place as a child, and like I've learned through the years to be able to perform at the peak you possibly can. You need to be in the present moment. I used to do a lot of yoga. I still do yoga, but that really helps. And like meditation and things that help calm you down that you can go to when your brain starts to go crazy. How can I be relaxed? How can I be calm and be here right now? You mentioned when you were a little kid, did you have a lot of that entrepreneurial energy when you were a kid? A lot of energy. Yeah. 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 All the time. What was your first business? First business. Or money-making idea. Money-making idea. Money-making idea. I think I was really into e-commerce and I was trying to sell like baseball cards. Terrible, but it's something. Yeah. How old were you when you tried that for the first time? Early, very young. Like 10? Had to be. Yeah, maybe 12. Yeah. 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 That's but so fun. I always had entrepreneurial in influences on me that I didn't recognize until I got a little older. I am the first Meyer to ever graduate college. Wow. And Congrats. Thank you. Thank That's you. That's awesome. I, I like to say we're from a family of grinders, family of 
blue collar workers. And my grandfather started a printing business in Chicago, a small print shop, and they he grinded tooth and nail. And I got to see that. And then I saw my dad come in and grind tooth and nails. And I think that really influenced me. Like you get rewarded for the hard work you put in. So I had some entrepreneurial influences as well. Were there other things that you saw up close in that printing business that you still use today? Chaos. <laughs> yeah. And embracing the chaos and yeah. understanding business is tough. You got to keep a level head. And I, yeah. Did you work inside of the business? I did. Yeah. What, what'd you do? What was your first job there? Plant floor stuff, boxing, collating. My dad would bring home stuff and we would collate and put things in boxes and yeah, yeah. Around the table. I remember family dinners and everyone being around the table and classic family pastime. This is awesome. Yes. Collating. Yeah, nice. yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about how you came up with the idea for Yorko. Yeah. And it stems directly from the family business. The biggest, not the biggest, but one of the biggest problems that we've always seen is the front office being able to communicate with the plant floor, blue collar, non-desk staff and vice versa. It was really difficult. We tried to help them implement Slack. We use Slack or they're, they're, they're a Microsoft shop. So Teams, we tried all that, never worked. And diving deeper into the problem, we realized these folks are not always given a company email. We thought maybe it was just like our family shop. They're not given emails, but it's very consistent across the board in manufacturing, construction, transportation. They may not pay for data plans. They may not pay for, they may not have internet access. So we built them a communication platform on top of something that doesn't need any of those. It doesn't need... Didn't add a, another app they had to go download and use and go look at. You got it. Yeah. So Yorko is built on SMS. It's a SMS-based communication and intranet platform. Doesn't require downloads, internet access, passwords, not another app. And so implementation was really quick. Worked there. It's like the light bulb went off yeah. and we started scaling it to so other what businesses. Are, what are some use cases? So like when yeah. the print shop first put that into use, what was the first thing? They're like, if we can solve this first thing, it'd be huge. Yeah, literally just back and forth communication with the employees on like days off. Like someone, there's always emergencies going on and in a business. Everyone's people, right? Everyone's got people problems. So them being able to, the employees being able to just digitally communicate with the front office and the managers really easily. That was like the biggest use case we saw initially. And then the more you use it, the more use cases occur. So it's yeah. used very creatively across the board. That's really cool. What, when you're discovering the problem, what did you learn from the people on the floor about why they weren't using Slack and why they wouldn't use Teams? What were some of those kind of barriers for them to adopt the technology that obviously in the tech space is everywhere? Super resistant to putting something their employer wants them to put on their phone. Big brother, big sister, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. makes yeah. sense. It's a huge one. That's interesting. Yeah. And that's probably the biggest one, which is funny, but it's like, it's real. And people don't want to put things on their phone, especially something that their employer's having them put on tips, especially in those industries and right. in more traditionally white collar office spaces. Like you're putting the app on your phone. Yeah. You're putting the thing on it. Yeah. 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 So that was a big key learning there. Also. Yeah. I guess that's the biggest yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. When, how did you tell me about the moment you realized that your company, your family company wasn't the only company that had this problem. How did you discover that there was a bigger market than that? Oh, started just reaching out to people that I knew previously that have some sort of involvement with manufacturing and got in front of HR, got in front of their owners, presidents, IT folks, and started having conversations. And everything that I was saying was resonating with them. Mm. 
And I was like, you probably have the same problem that, that they do. So let's try out this solution. And so it was really a natural evolvement of that sale, that sales motion. And then we just kept on repeating it. That's great. What were some of those things that you learned in those early sales? Did, they, did every single one of them close or did you have some no's where you're kind of like, oh, I, if I had just done this, I probably would have gotten that one. Keep it simple and really try to uncover the actual pain point that that company is facing because we're such a broad product, right? I said it's used for a lot of different use cases, but not everyone has that use case front of mind. Like we have people using it for employee referrals and you don't think SMS can be used for employee referrals and can actually help you find new employees. If I'm talking about that and someone isn't really thinking that, it doesn't really resonate with them. So it was really more about understanding the underlying problem, what a lack of communication was causing in that business, and then being able to really approach that sale, talking about that, how we can solve it for that out with the, with the tool. Yeah, that makes sense. Talk to me a little bit about the outcomes for the business. What have you seen for some of your customers who have implemented Yorko? Yeah. So from something, the benefits that Yorko provides that actually ties to like business outcomes, financial outcomes. We've seen increased employee engagement nice. with, within the business, increased workforce productivity. And we've also seen a decrease in legal risk in the business. There's a few things that that's really helped with a decrease in legal risk is like within those facilities, typically a manager or an HR person gives out their cell phone number mm -hmm. and you have a, there's an opportunity there for like sexual harassment. Yep. And if you don't have to give out your phone number, now you're just utilizing the your that's phone huge. number. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. Another one is we automatically document and store all messages, even on terminated staff. So if there's ever any legal argument or anything, which there have been, sure, people can go back and they can look at, this is what actually was said to the employee and this is what was said back. So you reduce a little like data loss risk as well. And massive time. Just the discovery process of that without your solution is so disruptive and takes so much time of attorneys and managers and the CEO and the HR folks. And it's, yeah. hundred percent. Yep. Yep. We they some folks put their legal counsel in Yorko so that if anything happens, they can just go back Boom. and look. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I want to talk more about where you're going with Yorko, but first I want to rewind a little bit because all of us here sitting at the table have business failures. And uh, I know it's not always a up and to the right trajectory. Can you talk a little bit about your own business career and some of the failures or challenges you faced getting to Yorko? Yeah. My brother and I, my brother's our CTO, brilliant guy, studied computer engineering in college and very good at computer science. We both always built things together. It's a good combo. Yeah, he's great. We started a company called Fuse Me, and it was for in-person career fairs. And honestly, it's like a salute. We took a solution and tried to plug it into a problem versus the other way around which is really what we learned here. Do not do that. Come start with the problem first. <laughs> start with the problem. Yes. It's a hard lesson to learn. Yes. But we took this, this technology we had that allowed a phone to touch another phone and it would just transfer information. You're the uh, resume guy. Yeah. You're the... Uh, <laughs> I heard about this Butler grad who was the like, what, sharing resumes at career fairs by tapping your phone. That's awesome that Nate yeah. remembers this. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. I had heard about this. And someone had told me that I needed to meet the resume guy. Now I put in a face now to, you a, met. to a memory. Yep. There we go. I'm destiny. I'm the resume guy. <laughs> Ex-resume guy. Ex-resume guy, yeah. We actually, we found a little bit of what we thought. We never really experienced product market fit. We definitely have now. We never did before, so we thought we had it. What made you think that? People, we had a lot of users. People were using it. Yeah. At the career fairs, we made some a little bit of cash. Yeah. And we would sell it to businesses and try to attach it to their talent acquisition platform. And 
they got us going with understanding HR. So all of this was really, it's all positive, right? We were talking a little bit before, like the failure, sure, it sucked. And we definitely, what was the nail in the coffin was COVID. Um, when COVID came around, there's no more need for in-person, face-to-face career fairs. It was all online and our product was rendered useless. But we learned a lot. We yeah. learned a lot from that. What were some of the other things you learned beyond the start with the problem? Start with the problem, go after a massive market and do something you really know because we're really, ultimately we're building for ourselves. Like we totally are very passionate about this problem because we're solving it for the family business. We're solving it for business owners. We have a customer in New York, sixth generation family business. And it's, I feel so connected with her because she's always been in a family business setting. Sixth generation. generation. What's the business? called Hicks Nurseries. Yes. Yeah. And we I sold directly to uh, the owner and she loves the product. That was a little uh, long sales process. She was very inquisitive about the product before implementing, but I think we really changed everything there. So it was pre- pretty cool. And to hear her feedback and to know that we're helping these small and mid-sized, bu- mid-sized businesses is really exciting. What's the average number of employees? Like, where do you, what's the entry point? Like, they've got to have two or 20 or 10 or... What's your range of your ideal customer profile? You can have two, but I don't recommend using our solution then. 20 is probably the minimum where you actually start to see all the benefits. That's interesting because as you grow your company, when everybody's grown a company, you meet these really crazy inflection points where everything changes, right? Right. In 2025, 50, 100, where all systems and processes break down, you got to rebuild things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned before, make sure you've got a big enough market. Talk to me a little bit about the TAM or total addressable market for the business you have now with Yurko. Yeah. So 80% of the global workforce is this non-desk blue collar workforce. Wow. So it's just huge. And yeah. it's really exciting because, wow, we can never stop growing. That's, that's what we think. Our addressable market right now, we sell only to the US and Canada. And we try to target our four main industries. We target our construction, manufacturing, transportation and warehousing, and agriculture or farming. We have outliers. We're starting to get into more like healthcare. There's some health centers that use us as well. And so it is ever growing, it feels, but those are the main ones we target. Across all of those, what are the common problems that you're seeing just across the board that's like consistently, you can start a sales conversation by asking a question about, this one pain point that most blue collar centric businesses have. Have you ever heard this question? What email? That's, that's how we start. What email? They don't, people try to send out emails and they, everyone feels that. I say that. (laughs) (laughs) True. I do too. (laughs) Yeah. But really that's a, it's a great conversation starter because people feel that pain. They've heard, you know, what email and they hear it on a consistent basis over and over again because they try to, they do try to email their employees. So, it really is a base at the base level communication. And then we, we provide value, more value than just being able to communicate by showing them the outcomes that they That's can achieve. Awesome. So you raised some capital for this business. Did you go about that differently than you did with Fuse Me? Yeah. We went to people that we thought could be really strategic to the business. And it was pretty successful in raising capital so far. Enough that we need. We're, we also try to be really capital efficient. Smart. We really don't have much waste. If any, and that's how we want to continue to grow this business as we keep going. We definitely do want to raise more money, but being really capital efficient. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. What are some of those value add investors? How have they added value to the business 
or even to you as an entrepreneur as you've navigated these early stages? Call, text, email, anytime I have questions. Yeah. Any specific ones that you remember that you feel comfortable sharing here on the show? Yeah, I think Mike Kelly would be cool with me yeah. sharing his name over at Developer Town. Do you feel He's comfortable sharing any awesome. of the questions you've asked him? Yeah. <laughs> I can't even, everything. Yeah. Like that, if I didn't have, if we didn't have that guy. Yeah, us too. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mike, Mike Kelly's yeah. the man. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. 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 He's actually going to go down to, I think he's going to South by Southwest. He's going to yeah. go watch this pitch. Yeah. That's great. Oh, what, yeah. Let's talk about that then. So what are you doing this weekend? Yeah. So we got nominated top five future of work technologies, technology companies or softwares. And we're going down by Southwest. We're going down there to pitch on Sunday in front of, yeah. You ready to roll? Get yeah. your pitch down? Yeah. I'm pumped. Nice. I'm yeah. How long are those pitches? Three minutes or something? Three minutes, six minutes of questions after. Three and six? Oh, yeah. wow. That's great. Yeah. That's really great. So then besides capital, like when you're evaluating the decision on whether to go down there and pitch or not, raising money is great, but what are the other benefits that pitching your company in South by Southwest pitch competition or any of these pitch competitions, what are the benefits that can bring for a company? Yeah. Some benefits are our employees are super pumped. They feel like they're part of something bigger and it has made us feel that way as well you focus in on the day-to-day -day so much it's nice to pull back and be recognized so it's been great for our brand we've had a little bit more brand presence as well and it's get, it's lending some like trust from our customers or people in the pipeline okay this is a vetted entity absolutely yeah. and i think about why when we reached out to bring you on the podcast like it was definitely prompted like you were on our list of companies to to get featured on there but Oh, they're gonna pitch it South by Southwest. We need to make sure he's on ASAP and like, get him on the get him on the show. <laughs> Thank a you. Direct case study of that. Right? Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Quick break from our normal programming. I have Erica Schweier, COO from Elevate Ventures, here in the studio today. Erica, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you're gonna tell us a little bit about this Rally Innovation Conference that's coming up. Yep. So it's the largest cross sector innovation conference in the world. We're gonna feature six innovation studios. So think hard tech, software, sports tech, ag and food, healthcare, and entrepreneurship's gonna kind of be our catch-all. I love that. Tell me what is, who's it for? Yeah, it's for innovators, entrepreneurs, investors. Honestly, anybody probably listening to this podcast. And it's going to be a multi-day thing that's multi -day. happening in downtown Indianapolis. Yep. People coming in from all over the country and maybe even all over the world to be here. That's our hope. Yep. And the dates are actually August 29th to the 31st. Perfect. And if people want to find out more information about speakers, tickets, things like that, where can they go? Yeah. So they just go to rallyinnovation.com and sign up for communications. They can also get their tickets. I love it. You heard it here at rallyinnovation.com. We'll, we'll see, see you there. there. Tell me a little bit about the non-business side of life right now. Because one of the things that's interesting is as you scale as an entrepreneur, the to-do list is never done and it never stops growing. How are you handling some of the balance with, I think you mentioned previously, recent, recently married? Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So with your wife? My wife, Carly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How are you navigating that as you scale? Communication. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, do you have a family Yorko set up? We, yeah. we, don't, we have a Meyer Bros Yorko. <laughs> I got it's my brother Ben and then my brother Nolan. He works at the print shop and he's always telling us from the employee side of things too, what's going wrong? What should we change? Oh, uh, that's great product feedback. Priceless. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a, a good place of where you're like thinking about demoing new products or demoing new features. You just like put it in the family business, see if it Immediately. works. Immediately. If, if it doesn't, yeah. Immediately. Every new feature goes to them and then we see what happens. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's like, yeah. A, that's great to have that testing ground because it usually if you don't have that prime customer, then it's like you're shopping it around, trying to find someone who's okay with you testing, trying, 
like being in the laboratory a little bit. So I, that definitely seems like a priceless testing ground. No, it's amazing. I got to give a shout out to my dad, my aunt, my uncle, my brother, all the shop employees at M&G. My grandparents were starting a thing. Like it, we wouldn't exist, honestly. We wouldn't be around. We wouldn't be alive if we didn't have them. But also this business, Yorko would not be <laughs> right, right around. Yeah. Huge yeah. opportunity. And a big shout out to my wife. Yeah. She is very forgiving. And uh, yeah, we just have to communicate. Like you said, as we scale, yeah. things are hectic. Yeah. Have there been things as you've communicated with your wife? Uh, I imagine she was around for the fuse me days yeah. too, at least in part, maybe. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've learned just in relationship of how to manage that as you're balancing this other relationship with your business, which usually has dozens, if not hundreds of relationships tied to that business as well? There, You have to understand the reality is that many, most businesses fail and being able to have that conversation upfront mm -hmm. is super important. You never know what's going to happen. And it, but thankfully we see these milestones and we continue to hit these milestones and it, it looks like we're in a really good position to continue to move, but there's always that chance. Yeah. I want to talk about that business failure for a second. So it used to be frowned upon if somebody starts a business and that fails, oh gosh, and such and such tried the business and it failed and it was frowned upon. And I think it became more accepted on the coast. And I, I think I've seen a definite shift in the middle quarter where it's, yeah. okay, there's going to be failure. And what's the percentage we talked about earlier on the previous month? 94%, I think 94%, what you said. Yeah. yeah. And uh, fail before Series A. And so that's your thread and needle. But the other thing I like to point out when people bring this up, oh, or failure, risk averse or failure. If you go to work for a large company, a Fortune 100 or a 200 or 500 company, there's equally the amount of risk there because if there's a big downturn in the economy and a layoff or whatever, you have no say-so or no visibility whatsoever into what might be three months away. Yeah. And like in a startup, at least you're sitting, if not in the front row, the first cart or two of the roller coaster. And there's a lot of visibility into being in control of your own destiny. How do you think about that? It makes a lot of sense. It, we are seeing, we've had a lot of friends, myself and my brother, get laid off right now mm -hmm. in the tech industry and we have we'll have a bad day and we'll look at each other and laugh and say you know what we still have jobs yeah <laughs> there you go yeah so it really it feels good to be in in control of your own destiny at least it does to to myself and ben yeah so we have listeners out there that are probably thinking about starting a business or wanting to go all in on an endeavor do you have a, a couple pieces of advice for the listener out there that may want to start their own business and want the courage to, to go out there and do it. What you're doing it right now. What's the, what's your your secret? Make sure it's a problem. You go, you're going after solving a problem and solving a problem that you're passionate about. And bonus point, if many people have it, I really think if you can solve a problem, any problem at all, you can have a business, especially with so, like software enabled businesses. If you have any problem, you can solve a business. It's where it gets really interesting is if you can actually scale that business and you have the massive market to scale into. Yeah. But either way, you can you can have a lifestyle business, right? If you don't have the massive market to scale into. And so I think... Which, by the way, lifestyle doesn't necessarily mean small. Right. It yeah. just means control your destiny at every step, right? So you can still have a massive $100 million plus or even billion dollar business someday in a lifestyle business. It just meant you maintain... Pretty nice lifestyle. If it's control. A business. But they exist. Yeah, they definitely do. Yeah. A lot of those right. generational family businesses... Yeah. Do sure. that kind of scale. Yep. I'm just I'm curious then, like, where do you define like a lifestyle business versus a 
a business. I don't know what like the opposite of that would be, but I'm. I think there's no there. difference. The, the venture scale is different. It's different. It's a different model. It's. I, I think it comes. Lifestyle businesses come down, and I've been involved in some conversations where people took this term lifestyle to be a negative thing. It's, it's used derogatorily by yeah. a lot of people, and it's not. It, no. It's to me, it's simply. And I looked up the definition at one point in time, but it, really, to me, lifestyle comes down to control of what you're going to do every single day, or no, or not having control. A hundred percent control. Period. Full stop. Versus some level of not a hundred percent control. I, one of my brothers, who's a middle-aged male, told me a few years ago, he's like, you know what, Tove, I, I think I just want to start it. And he's been very successful in massive household names. And he's like, I, I think I want to start a lifestyle business. It's because he wants control of his day. That is interesting. I always thought a lifestyle business was a business that churned off enough money to afford the li- for you to live. That's when I thought of lifestyle business. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, he makes enough money to, for you to live and be happy. Wow. That's this is the learning factor for the listeners there. It just I think of that as the category that's not venture scale. Because venture scale it's not venture money. That's different. Right. Now, now you've got a board you report to. You're a gerbil wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you and you step on a gerbil wheel. And you're, you're running yeah. fast. You're running fast, yeah. you gotta run faster. Yep. Which can be exhilarating. I, I love both. I think both are awesome. Both are awesome. Yeah. yeah. Both have pros and cons. Yeah. Brody, tell me a little bit about what you've learned from other entrepreneurs, whether they're people you know personally or even read about in books or documentaries. I'm not sure if you're into kind of studying the history of entrepreneurship, but I'm curious who's inspired you and have you tried to take some of those lessons and apply them to your co? Yeah, definitely interested on a more, on a closer, something close to the heart. I have other folks that I'm I'm very interested in researching and following the history of business, but I remember asking my grandfather, he's still with us. My grandfather's the one that started that printing company, MG Graphics. He, I was talking about him about risk one day. I mean, he, he, it's like, Brody, life's a risk. I remember that just stuck with me. Like, mm. Life is a risk. We're risking every single day, no matter what you do. Lifestyle business, high tech enabled SaaS business, uh, right. whatever you're doing, like you, life is a risk. So why not jump off? Besides my no. grandfather, that's just something that always rattles around, sticks with me. I was very obsessed with the PayPal mafia growing up. To, was like, for those who don't know, tell us who the PayPal mafia are. It's like Peter Thiel, Keith Raboy, Elon Musk. These are the people who found, basically built PayPal. They built PayPal. David Sachs. And they all went on to build these other billion-dollar ventures. And it, it was always interesting to me, how can you put so much just incredible people in one business? Mm-hmm. And it, so I've always been very intrigued by them. My brother and I, I've always built things with Ben. And so we've always watched Elon and Kimball Musk, anything that they were doing. Yeah. What have you learned from watching them? What have we learned from watching them? Uh, A lot of it's just been like YouTube videos, like going, being able to go after your dream, not just like, I do like lifestyle businesses. I'm a big fan and we serve a lot of SMBs and mid-market people. And those folks are very happy. Everyone has a different path. I've always been intrigued in building a big business Mm -hmm. and being in the high growth SaaS business. Not to say that a lifestyle business can't be big, but being in that high growth tech mindset, I like. I want to continue to push and get on that hamster wheel. Move I fast. I do like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's exhilarating. Yeah. It's exhilarating. And I'd say that those are people that have inspired me. That is something you can do. And you, you can follow them all on Twitter and you can see what they're currently still doing today and you pick up tidbits here and there. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. We might need to link up some of uh, some of your faves in the yeah. show notes. That'd, That'd be, be great. Fun. Yeah. One of the tidbits my son has picked up from this guy named Elon is that school doesn't matter. 
<laughs> oh, great. So I'm struggling with that in his eighth and ninth grade year. Uh, Understandable. Okay, I understand, but that's your job right now is to get good grades in school. Yeah. Tell us a little bit of what's what's next for your code, Brody. You're going on the road to South by, then what? Yeah, we really have a strong focus on our customers. So I think every day being super close to them and learning more from them. And we have a large product roadmap of a lot of things we can continuously add to this product. So continued growth on the product, continue to grow our sales team, our marketing team, and really try to capture that massive market. I love it. If the community is looking to support Yorko or wants to plug in with y'all, is there something the community can do to, to help support you guys? Yeah. You can follow our LinkedIn page, Yorko. You can, if you're a manufacturer, you got to have a majority blue collar workforce, reach out about pricing and a demo. <laughs> Always looking for more customers. Yeah. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. Got time for the lightning round? I think it might be time for the lightning round. All right. Brody, we've got three questions for you. Rattle them off. This is a quick paste. Ready? So outside of the amazing entrepreneurs, what is Indiana known for? Basketball. Boom. Nice. Basketball. <laughs> got it. What is one hidden gem in Indiana? Butler basketball Sammy Hinkle Field that's nice. a great answer you're gonna make a lot of people happy out there yeah and who is someone that we need to keep on our radar someone who's doing big things Benjamin Meyer my brother yes love I it. love that Brody thanks for being on the show today congrats on all the success with your co yeah great thank job you. and good we'll luck let it rip, baby. thank you thank you very much appreciate it you thanks got this this has been get in a powder kick production in partnership with elevate ventures and we want to hear from you if you have suggestions for our guest or segment, reach out to Matt or Nate on LinkedIn or on email. To discover top-tier tech companies outside of Silicon Valley in hubs like Indiana, check out our newsletter at powderkeg.com newsletter. And to apply for membership to the Powder Keg executive community, check out powderkeg.com premium. We'll catch you next time and next week as we continue to help the world get in. Since you just listened to this podcast, you might be thinking about starting one for your company. Lucky for you, our partners over at Casted have you covered. Casted is the first and only podcast and video marketing platform made specifically for B2B brands. I love this about them. The platform makes it possible to publish, syndicate, amplify, and measure the value of your podcast and video content. In fact, we use it for our podcast here at Powder Keg. And if you're a startup, you should listen up because Casted for Startups is definitely for you. They are offering exclusive deep discounts of up to 82% off retail price for qualifying startups. Connect with Casted at casted.us slash powderkeg.